Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor John Rasmussen. Go ahead and take out a Bible, either the one you brought with you or the one in the, in the pew in front of you, and let's open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that's on page 967, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, for those of you just jumping into this sermon series, Generous God, Generous Church, uh, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the sermon from last week, either on YouTube or if you go on the podcast, you can find the audio of the sermon on there as well. It's really important that we get that first sermon uh, as a good foundation uh, because it really kind of sets the stage for everything uh, that follows both today and next week. Uh, I just want to review briefly before we read the text here that I'm going to preach on. Uh, In chapter 8 last week, we saw that the Apostle Paul was raising money for a relief effort for the suffering uh, saints in Jerusalem. They were experiencing poverty and persecution and famine. And so uh, Paul is raising money from the churches that he founded, both in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, That's uh, modern-day Greece. Now, the Corinthians had said that they were going to participate in this giving uh, opportunity. Uh, They had raised their hands and said, you can count on us. Uh, but as time went on, they grew a little bit uh, sluggish in their giving. And, and so Paul's kind of wondering if they're going to follow through with their commitment. And so Paul, uh, in order to stir up their generosity again, Paul shares this surprising story of generosity from other Christians, uh, the Macedonians, that would be the, the Philippians and the Thessalonians and then also the Bereans uh, who were in uh, Macedonia. And uh, they had given in the midst of their own poverty and their own persecution. They exercised this surprising over-the-top generosity because they knew the surprising over-the-top generosity of Jesus, who though being eternally rich became poor in this life, even the poverty of the cross, so that you and I could experience everlasting riches. And so Paul's hope is that as he shares both the example of the generosity of the Macedonians and also as he shares the even more surprising generosity of Jesus Christ, that it will change the hearts of the Corinthians so that they will keep good on their promise to be generous. And it's my prayer for us as a church that as we hear about this surprising generosity of Jesus too, that we would be changed in our approach to generosity, that we would become more daring, more bold, in our giving, that we would become more mature in this practice. So let's take a look at chapter 8. We're going to pick it up at verse 7, and then we're going to read a little bit of chapter 9 as well. Paul says in verse 7, But as you, Corinthians, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also, this act of giving. Verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others, the others would be the Macedonian churches, that your love also is genuine. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, this work of generosity, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it well, so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that, as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, and here Paul is quoting Exodus 16, the story of the the manna given in the wilderness after the Exodus. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. We're going to skip this uh, last part of chapter 8. Really, Paul in this section is giving a letter of commendation uh, for his partner in ministry, Titus, and these two other brothers in Christ who are going to be delegates who will go and receive this gift and then bring it to Jerusalem. Let's pick it up now in chapter 9 verse 1. Now, it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, the saints in Jerusalem. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia, that's where the Corinthians live, has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, to say nothing of you, for being so confident. So I thought it was necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exactation. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, So last week we were focusing on what motivates our generosity. It is the -the over-the-top just extreme generosity of our Lord Jesus Christ in the laying down of his life for us. That motivates our generosity. And, and today I want to focus on how that same grace of God uh, mo- also shapes our practice of generosity, the way that we practice generosity. So my goal today is that we would, as a church, embrace a practice of generosity that is intentional, not incidental, generosity that is careful, not casual, Deliberate, not just done in the moment, and heartfelt, not haphazard. Uh, So back in 2012, uh, at the congregation I previously served in Connecticut, uh, a couple members in our church got really excited about this organization called Faith Comes by Hearing. And what this organization does is uh, they work uh, with other organizations to translate the Bible into the heart language of people groups who don't have the Bible in their native language. 
And, and, and so once they get this translation done, they do an audio recording of the New Testament, and then they put that audio recording on these devices called proclaimers. And, and so the purpose of a proclaimer is that the Word of God can be heard, right, because faith comes by hearing, uh, that the Word of God would be heard in places that don't have access to electricity or maybe batteries. Uh, so just like, you know, uh, one of those radios you might take when you go camping that you just crank and it works uh, with that energy. In the same way, these proclaimers uh, allow people in remote areas to hear uh, the living, active Word of God. So uh, we had set a goal as a congregation that we were going to raise a certain sum of money uh, to fund this recording and then also purchase proclaimers uh, that would be in the Chiantec language of people living in Oaxaca, Mexico. Uh, and now uh, we set the goal, uh, we reached the goal very quickly because people got excited about the vision and they were generous. Now once we accomplished the goal, we decided that we were going to send some delegates uh, down to Oaxaca. Uh, three members of our church who would travel all the way from New England all the way down to southern Oaxaca, Mexico, uh, where they'd have to drive on a windy kind of uh, 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 sickness-in-your-stomach-inducing kind of drive uh, all the way through the hills, uh, eight hours, uh, to this small village in a very remote area. They were going to send these three members so that they could establish a relationship with the people that we were supporting rather than, than just write a check. Uh, so the members were selected, and they left. They made their connection flight. They made it all the way down to Oaxaca. They made it all the way to the village. But could you imagine what it would be like if we had gotten all the way down there and we realized that we forgot the proclaimers? That would be not a great situation, right? How embarrassing. If we had gotten there and, you know, after enjoying the hospitality of the people uh, the food they served us and the warm welcome they gave us after worshiping with them. Uh, we got to the moment of us giving them those proclaimers and we said, oh yeah, about those things. We actually left them at home. Uh, no amount of explanation or apology would really take away the awkwardness of that moment because it would show on our part a lack of foresight, a lack of planning, a lack of careful generosity. So with that in mind, I think that is exactly what Paul is trying to protect the Corinthians from uh, in his letter here, chapters 8 and 9. Uh, I believe that Paul is trying to avoid this embarrassing situation for both himself and the Corinthians. You know, Paul had boasted to other congregations that Corinth was ready, that they were generous and willing to give to this cause. And not only that, the Corinthians had raised their hands and said, you know what, we're there, we can do it. We will take part in this generous offering to the saints in Jerusalem to help them in their time of need. But Paul is wondering if they're going to really be ready when the delegates show up. Paul's concerned that Titus and the other brothers might show up to receive this promised gift and he'll find the Corinthians just shuffling something together last minute. Uh, sort of like that Christmas present bought at 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve at Walgreens and just kind of taped together quickly. <laughs> uh, I think that's what Paul's trying to spare them from. That would be awkward and embarrassing. In fact, it would lead to a gift that was not given carefully and joyfully and willingly, but sort of an under-pressure gift. Uh, so in our short time uh, together today, I want to focus on just one verse uh, that I believe 
uh, really shows us what it looks like to practice giving in our own lo local congregation, giving and generosity that is, that is intentional, not incidental, giving that is careful, not casual, deliberate, not done just in the moment, heartfelt and not haphazard. So look with me at chapter 9, verse 7. Paul says this, he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's break this down into two parts. Let's look at the first part. Paul says first that each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Uh, this word that Paul uses in the original language in the Greek, it has a, uh, a, a feel for, um, of thinking in advance, you know, deciding in your heart through planning in advance. Uh, so that's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about careful, uh, diligent generosity that is decided ahead of time in our hearts through prayer, uh, asking God, God, what would you have me give on the regular? So this would be the opposite of the way that giving sometimes happens in churches, and I think this is what we call incidental giving. It's when we give an offering because we just happen to be in church, and the offering plate just happens to pass us by, and we just happen to have a spare 20 or a 10 in our pocket. I always call that ice cream money. You know, it's not really designated for anything except for maybe in the moment, let's go get Dairy Queen uh, kind of thing. Um, so this is not the practice of generosity that Paul's talking about. Uh, he's talking about ra rather a generosity that is as intentional as a line item in your monthly budget. Uh, so just as you would be hopefully intentional about paying your mortgage, paying your rent, or uh, paying your insurance, or paying all those things that are important, maybe saving money for retirement or college, just as you would be in, in, in intentional about, about temporal things that will fade away, right, because you can't take the house with you, right, eventually, um, that also we would be careful and intentional about eternal things, uh, namely investing into the work of our local church and its mission to spread the gospel and to do God's work. Uh, so this is what we're talking about, a careful, uh, planned-ahead generosity rather than one that's just occasional. I saw a really beautiful example of this once uh, a while back when I visited one of our homebound members. Uh, this particular member had not been able to come to church for about three or four months uh, because of illness. And, and so not being able to be in church, um, I went out uh, to give her communion. And after I wrapped up the visit and I was leaving, she said, oh, wait, pastor, can you please take my offering to church? And, and she went on to hand me this massive, thick stack of offering envelopes uh, that she had accumulated week after week after week of not being in church. And the first thought I had in my mind was, you know, if it were me, I think I would just like add up what I was giving each week, write one check, put it into one envelope, just seems a little bit more efficient. But then my second thought was to realize the grace of what she was doing. She had this careful, intentional practice of generosity. This wasn't, you know, like haphazard for her. It wasn't just uh, in the moment or uh, occasional. She, even though she wasn't able to be in church, uh, she was still worshiping. And part of her worship at home was to sit down each week on the Lord's Day on Sunday and to write out that check and to put it in the envelope as an act of worship, of careful, diligent worship. 
And so with that in mind, I want to ask an honest question. I, I think that all churches should ask this question, and we've kind of been forced to ask it because of our circumstances lately uh, living with COVID. Uh, the honest question is this. When it comes to, to your generosity, your giving at Holy Cross, does it make any difference at all that we pass the offering plate? Should it make any difference? Because we're not right now, right? It's, it's sitting out in the exits. It's easy to miss, right? Um, now, if our act of generosity is not really coming out of prayer and devotion to the Lord, saying, like, what are we going to do, God? What do you want me to give? How should I be generous to my church? Then, then really, giving will rise or fall based on if the offering plate is passed. I mean, we'll be incidental givers. But, but if our generosity is motivated by God's Spirit to the point that we're planning this out as like a line item on the budget, then isn't it true that our generosity really doesn't depend on whether you pass the plate or not? I mean, whether the, the plate is passed or it's sitting out there or we hide it from you, it really shouldn't make any difference because giving is to be intentional. Regardless of what the gift is, it's intentional. Or to think about it a little more uh, widely, uh, think about uh, generosity in terms of whether we're in church or not. Should it make a difference in terms of, of, of our generosity as a church if we can meet in person or if we can't? Um, so let's say that in the coming months we just can't meet. We're all worshiping at home. Should that make a difference in our offering? Or even pandemic aside, let's say that, you know, during the summer you've got a wedding and then a vacation to go on and then you get sick and maybe you're gone from worship for three weeks uh, or maybe you're worshiping elsewhere uh, as you're on vacation. Um, should that make an impact on our generosity? Once again, if our giving is incidental, then yes, it rises and falls. If we're here, we give. If we're not here, we don't. But if it's careful, if it's planned out prayerfully, then whether we're here or not doesn't make any difference. Our generosity will be the same. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to give every single week. I don't think that there's a, a command in Scripture for that. We have an example of that in 1 Corinthians 16, where Paul instructs the Corinthians concerning this generous gift. He says, set aside something a little bit each Lord's Day, each day you meet for worship as God prospers you. Uh, but, but still, I believe that we as Christians can have freedom in when we give. For example, I don't give every week. I give every time I get a paycheck, which is twice a month. So for me, that paycheck is a reminder in my hand, oh yeah, it's time to write out the offering check. It's a way for me to say, God, I don't deserve any of what you give me in, in time or in eternity. Uh, so this paycheck, as I hold it in my hand, it's a visible reminder that it's time to write out my check and then go drop it in the safe in the office because I'm not going to remember to do it in worship. There's too many other things going on uh, to take care of. Uh, but what matters is not so much the frequency. What matters is that we have a careful plan, that we're thinking about this just as carefully as we would think about our monthly bills. <clears throat> uh, second, Paul says this. Paul says that we ought to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, Nobody wants to receive a gift that's given reluctantly, right? Nobody wants to get a Christmas gift that's like, okay, here. You, know? you don't want that, right? Keep it. I'll buy it myself. Uh, nobody wants that, and God doesn't either, right? God doesn't want a gift that is uh, given reluctantly or under compulsion. 
This reminds me of a story that I once read about a, a church in Scotland. Uh, so imagine all your Sean Connery Scottish accents here. Uh, what happened was uh, uh, the offering plate was being passed, and the usher went up to this member and uh, passed the plate. And this particular member accidentally put in a crown piece instead of a penny. And there's a big difference in Scottish currency between a crown piece and a penny. And realizing what he did, he said sheepishly to the usher, hey, can I have that back? <laughs> I didn't mean to put that in there. I want, I want to put in a penny. And uh, so I think that the usher had a sense of humor because he said, in once, in forever. Um, and then the giver groaned, oh, well, I guess I'll get credit for it in heaven. And the usher said, nope, you won't. You'll only get credit for a penny in heaven. Um, and the point there in that story is that that crown piece, that large sum of money, was not given willingly or cheerfully. It was given reluctantly. In fact, if he could have got it back and also saved face, he would have. Uh, and in the same way, our giving is not to be like that. Our giving is to be willful and joyful. Really, this is the point that I was trying to get back at, uh, get at last week. That if a church needs to stand before a congregation and beg and plead or even put, uh, the, put pressure on the congregation to be more faithful in giving, I would say that means that we've already lost, that we've already missed it as a congregation. Something is missing if we have to beg or plead or ask it means that we're failing to grasp the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who laid aside his riches and embraced his own poverty so that we might be eternally rich. It means that our congregation would have missed the very point of our existence, that we don't even understand why we're here if we have to beg and plead. The very need to beg and plead and pressure shows that there's a disconnect between what we say we believe and what we do. What is it that we believe? Because what we believe, if we truly believe it, will make a difference in how we give. Isn't it true that we believe in a God who is not casual at all or haphazard or unprepared when it comes to your salvation? Isn't it true that we have a God who decided in his heart ahead of time that he would give you everything in Christ before you could ever give him anything? Before you could even offer God a penny, God put in the crown piece, right, for you, giving his son. Before you took your first breath, and, and even before God spoke into existence the heavens and the earth, God had already set his heart upon you in generous love ahead of time. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 1. He says, he, God, chose us in him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world. That's a lot of forethought, right? <laughs> before anything ever existed, he chose us before the foundation of the world that, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So do you see this, what Paul's saying here, that nothing about your salvation is incidental? Nothing about your salvation is not planned, right? God had prepared for you the greatest gift imaginable. He has prepared your salvation down to the very last detail 
intricate detail. God took this intricate, deliberate concern to save you. He chose you before the beginning of time. He sent His Son for you. He made sure that you heard the gospel through someone else's generosity. And then He also made sure that you believed it when you heard it. Before you could even ask for it, God was at work in eternity and in time, carefully planning and providing you with the riches of eternal salvation. Isn't that beautiful to think that God put all that forethought to make sure that His gift of salvation would be received by your hands? And so it is this deliberate, intentional, generous love of God that inspires us to be deliberate, intentional, generous givers so that others who have not yet received this generous grace of God would receive it as well through the work that God does in our church. Look with me at a couple more verses in Ephesians. These are some of my favorite verses. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. I think these are some of the sweetest words uh, that Paul wrote in his letters. It says this, But God, being rich, not stingy, not mediocre, right? God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. In other words, even when we were all straight up spiritually broke and on our way to hell, right? That's when God, it says, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Do you see that there? That God is just like showering his riches upon you and me. I mean, in crazy ways. We, I mean, if you, if you get this, if you understand how just like impoverished we are because of our sins, and yet God being so rich is just pouring out, just showering upon us the grace and the mercy, even the life of his own son. Doesn't that change the way that we approach generosity? Because you see, God did not give his son under compulsion or reluctantly. He gave his son willingly. And as Jesus suffered on the cross in poverty, in nakedness for you and for me, he didn't do that with a grudge, right? He didn't say, I guess I have to. But he did it for you willingly. And so it's with that in mind that Christians give willingly and cheerfully as well. When we give as Christians, we're just giving in the same way that God gave for us, willingly, cheerfully, and also deliberately putting thought into it ahead of time. As we close today, I want you to hear this, church. Remember this, that God has already accomplished your salvation perfectly in Christ. Every single detail, you cannot add to that salvation and you cannot take away from it. It's perfectly given to you in Jesus. It's done. And God has also perfectly accomplished the salvation of those who have not yet received it, but will in the future. These are God's elect. These are God's chosen people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. The love that God prepared for them in eternity past will become theirs in time. God will see to it, it is certain. Those things are for sure. But what is not certain, what is not sure, 
is if we here at Holy Cross will participate in sharing that work with others. The salvation that God has given is sure. It's going to get to his people. But it's not certain that we'll be ready to respond when God gives us opportunity. Because the truth is that God doesn't really need our congregation to get his kingdom work done. But it would be really nice if we could participate in it, right? Um, any of you ever watched Little League sports? You know, Little League sports are fun to watch. But there's always that kid in right field who's just not all there uh, in terms of the game, just kind of like, oh, that cloud looks like a dinosaur. Or, you know, uh, hey, I'm just going to sit here and pull grass. <laughs> that was definitely me in third grade when I played baseball. I think that's why they put me in right field. Um, but, uh, but what's going to happen when the ball gets hit that way? Is he going to be ready? It's going to go right over his head. Opportunity missed, right? Um, would it not be sad and tragic if God were to give this congregation opportunities to share the gospel here and to the ends of the earth in bold, daring ways, and we're just kind of in right field looking around, distracted, not ready, kind of like the Corinthians might have been before Paul sent them a letter, and hopefully they responded. I think that'd be really sad. Opportunity missed, right? But wouldn't it be a beautiful, beautiful thing if God were to present this congregation with opportunities to share the gospel, to do his work, to serve people in, in bold and daring ways, uh, and we were ready. We had our gloves up, eyes on the ball, and we're ready to catch it and do it. Um, this is the reason why this topic of generosity is such an important thing that we talk about in church. It's important because we're dealing with the work, the mission that God's given us to do. And we can't get that mission done if we're scrambling to try to make ends meet. And so may God grant each of us generous hearts that are equal, equal to the generous love that he desires to share with all people throughout the world. Amen.